You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 161. Today's reading is from John chapter 21, verses 14 through 25. At that time, Jesus revealed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you girded yourself and walked where you would. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish to go. This he said to show by what death he was to glorify God. And after this he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw following them the disciple whom Jesus loved, who had lain close to his breast at the supper, and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remained until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. The saying spread abroad among the brethren that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness to these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. But there are also many other things which Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. In the opening verses today, we hear this back and forth between Jesus and Peter. And for most of my life, this passage always left me a bit confused. It seemed to me as though Jesus was pestering Peter about his love for him like like a child uh, who incessantly asks you the same question over and over because they don't like your initial answer, or, or at the very least, it seemed like there was something more here that I just wasn't comprehending. With that said, Father, I'm certain there are many others of our listeners who, like me, don't fully understand what's actually being said between our Lord and Peter in these first few verses. Would you help clarify this for us? Yeah, Jason, certainly give it a shot, and, and I'm really happy that you selected this passage today because... It has become one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Oh, I see. Why is that? Well, I, I think when you understand it correctly, it serves as an excellent example of how Scripture functions, uh, namely that Scripture's intent is not to merely tell a historical story, but to provide a deeper meaning and overarching narrative by which we should live our lives. And so you're correct. If, if we were to read this story at a merely historical level, we would be left with the confusion that that you've had most of your life about this passage. You know, why is Jesus pestering Simon Peter? What's the purpose of what he's doing and so forth? But when we understand that the author of this gospel, John, is not merely relaying 
uh, some historical event, but teaching us a deeper lesson, and everything makes so much more sense. Good. So help us understand the deeper meaning of what's going on here. Let me first begin by highlighting the fact that Jesus refers to Simon Peter as Simon, son of Jonah, and this is significant. And how so? Think about it this way. On the surface, there is no reason to refer to Simon by anything other than his name, just referring to him as Simon or Simon Peter. He could have simply said that, but instead Jesus adds that qualifier, son of Jonah. Anytime, I would say even in the modern world, when we add qualifiers, we do so to stress a meaning, and that is especially true in the Bible. So what is it that Jesus is stressing then by calling him son of Jonah? Well, think about it this way. I think you, there's only two choices of what it could mean. The first one, which I think is, is actually unlikely, or if it's accurate, it's, it's probably just a divine coincidence, uh, is that Peter's dad's name is, is Jonah. Again, what would be the purpose of Jesus saying that or highlighting that we don't normally speak like that, and neither does Jesus normally speak like that in the Gospels in terms of referring to his disciples by qualifying it the name of, of their father. So we're left with a second, which I think is more likely, explanation, one that makes much more sense uh, of the overall biblical story, as I kind of mentioned at the beginning. And that is Jesus refers to Simon Peter as the son of Jonah, because he, Simon Peter, is like the Old Testament Jonah. Now keep in mind, uh, in the ancient world, and I will show even today, though we don't often use it uh, this way or think of it this way, uh, to say that someone is the son of something often uh, does not refer to their biological origin. Rather, it means they are like something or cut from the same cloth as someone and, of course, the best modern example involves a swear word, so I, I won't say that word, but if there is someone who has an enemy, uh, they might refer to that person as a son of a you-know-what. I, I think our listeners can understand what I'm saying here. Uh, we all know when someone uses that phrase, though, they're not actually referring to the person's mother. The, the person may have the nicest, most pleasant mother in the world, but the phrase is used as a way to convey how you feel about the person, not about the person's mother. And so when Jesus calls Simon Peter the son of Jonah, it's not a reference per se to Simon's biological father, but to the fact that Simon Peter is like Jonah of old. Yeah, I see how that does seem to make sense, and I, and I follow your logic, Father. Uh, perhaps you can elaborate further on how Simon Peter is like Jonah the prophet. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's, it's really uh, the slam dunk, in my opinion, that shows Jesus is clearly referring to Simon Peter as the son of Jonah because the two are nearly identical figures, uh, so it, it, clearly referring to him as Jonah the prophet. Because uh, you remember that Jonah uh, was called by God to preach to the Ninevites, to people who were outsiders, uh, considered by Jonah to be enemies. And, and Jonah does not want to preach God's message of reconciliation to these enemies, and so he tries to avoid doing so. And we, of course, know that God has other plans. Uh, he has a great fish swallow Jonah, spit him out on the land to preach to the Ninevites. And even after this, Jonah is not exactly happy uh, that God did this to him and had him preach this message. But God's message to Jonah is clear, and that is that God cares for the Ninevite people just as he cares 
for the Jews, for Jonah's people. God is the creator and maker of all human beings, and he desires that all be reconciled to him. Yeah, I can certainly see how that relates to Peter in the New Testament as well. Yeah, because, you know, if we think about Peter, he, like the other disciples, he has this difficult time accepting and understanding God's acceptance of the Gentiles and and his desire to reconcile them, too, through his Messiah, Jesus Christ. So Peter, like Jonah, has difficulty uh, accepting that God would reconcile the outsiders. Peter believes, like virtually all Jews of Jesus' time, that the Messiah is going to violently, militarily destroy the Roman Gentiles in Jerusalem. Peter does not envision what God actually had in mind to come to peace, uh, for his people to come to peace with the Roman Gentiles, to invite them to become full participants at the holy table of fellowship. And, and so uh, even then after Peter is sent to preach the message, uh, he, he then continues, like Jonah, sometimes to falter, to not exactly be pleased with God's ministry for him. So we see Peter struggle and, and ultimately have this conflict with Paul that we hear about in, in Galatians, where Peter is withdrawing from those who are not circumcised, in other words, uh, with those who are not Jews. So again, the point of John here in his gospel relaying that Jesus refers to Simon Peter as the son of Jonah is really to show and to highlight that Peter is like Jonah of old. Peter struggles with God's will to reconcile his enemies to come and to sit at the same table of fellowship with them. And of course, the message to us is clear. We're also like Simon Peter. We also struggle with accepting our enemies at the table of fellowship, with recognizing that God loves them just as much as he loves us. And, and so we also struggle to show uh, the same mercy that we, are, uh, we so willingly accept for ourselves from God. Yes, that's definitely a powerful message and one that challenges us all. And I appreciate you conveying that to us uh, about how the story relates to us even today. Now, if you don't mind, Father, would you explain why it is that Jesus pesters, so to speak, as I said, Simon Peter, by asking him those three times if he loves him? Yeah, no, this is also uh, interesting. I won't spend as much time talking about it, but again, uh, the meaning is symbolic and not just literal. So specifically, remember that Peter had previously denied Jesus three times before the crucifixion. Jesus had said, you know, before the cock crows, you, you will uh, deny me three times, and, and such is, was the case. So this is uh, at the reconciliation at the end of the Gospels, at the end of John. We have this uh, three times restoration to undo, as it were, that three-time denial. And this is important because in the Bible, three is a number of completeness. So to say that Peter denied Jesus three times means that it was a complete denial. It wasn't just an accident. Peter didn't slip up. He completely denied Christ. On the other hand now, likewise, uh, I should say, uh, Peter is completely and fully restored by this three-time questioning and, and, and his answer, and then this three-time reconciliation. So that's what it is. It's not, it's not just being a pest. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense than Jesus simply just being a pest to Peter. Uh, one other quick question I have. Why do you think it is that this interchange of reconciliation is only found in John's gospel and not the others? Yeah, really good question and, and good observation. I, I think we can only speculate my speculation would be one of, of two things, or perhaps both of them. 
Uh, first, I would say that uh, John's gospel is the final gospel in the order of the four gospels. And it was, uh, you know, it, I'm just talking about in, in terms of the construction of the gospels, the, the final. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, not talking necessarily about the order in which they're written, but the fact that very early on John was seen as the fourth gospel. And so therefore we see at the end of the gospels, Peter is fully restored. Uh, the other speculation I have is is this, and this is more uh, speculation than what I just said before, and that is notice that the other Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, the ones that don't have this interchange uh, between uh, Peter and Jesus, they do have a different story with a certain, as he's called, Simon of Cyrene, and, and John does not have the story of Simon of Cyrene. And my speculation is that Simon of Cyrene is actually none other than Simon Peter. Uh, the presentation of him being of Cyrene uh, would be similar to him being a son of Jonah. And the reason I say that is that Cyrene was a town in, in Libya that experienced multiple Jewish uh, insurrections during and after uh, the first Roman Jewish war. And of course, that's happening right around the time the Gospels are being written. And remember, Simon of Cyrene uh, in those three Gospels, is the one who takes up the cross of Jesus in a literal sense. He literally carries the cross in those Gospels. And we are figuratively told, of course, in those same Gospels, to take up the cross and follow Christ. So my speculation is that the other three Gospels are reconciling Peter in this way. Peter had been following the path of the circumcision of the flesh, to use the language of Paul. Uh, Paul, of course, talks about how we must give up that path to take up the cross and to follow Christ. So, you know, I realize this may not be a majority opinion, uh, but I think when you piece it all together, it makes a lot more sense of the narrative of, of the story of the different accounts of the gospel. That Simon of Cyrene is also a representative of Peter being restored in those gospels, which is obviously less clear than this outright restoral of Peter at the end of the Gospels in John. But otherwise, keep in mind as well, if Simon of Cyrene is not him, then you really don't have a restoration of, of Peter in those other Gospels. So my speculation is that this is, was uh, the intent of Simon of Cyrene. Very good. Thank you, Father. It's been a while since we released a new episode, and we do plan to get back to our normal weekly schedule of releasing new episodes. So I know that you had a lot to say today, and we're a little longer than usual, but I do want to ask one final question. At the end of today's reading, John writes, quote, But there are also many other things which Jesus did, were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So does this verse lend itself to the teaching of tradition in the church? In other words, we often hear from our Protestant brothers and sisters about sola scriptura, but we know that Jesus did and said more than what is recorded in the Gospels. And St. Paul himself writes in his epistles that we should observe what he taught, whether by word or our epistle, as he says in Second Thessalonians. So any, any thoughts or comments here, Father? Yeah, my, my comment is that John is actually, he's doing the exact opposite of what many Orthodox speculate in saying this or, or using the, the passage in the way that you were uh, mentioning. In other words, John is not inviting us to speculate about the other things that Jesus did, uh, nor is he referring us to some tradition that is separate from or in addition to Holy Scriptures. In fact, we can see uh, that if we look at the previous chapter, that chapter ends as follows. 
uh, let me quote here, and true, uh, this is John 20, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's the end of the quote. And from this I believe it's clear that John is telling his reader that he, John, has written the most important things a believer needs to know. There's no need to go around and try to find other things that Jesus did or to speculate on them. And, and John has told you what you need to know. Now the question I understand might be, why then did John even mention uh, these other things? So, you know, why even bring that up? And my guess is that John was addressing other, uh, what we would consider to be spurious uh, so-called gospels. They, they called themselves gospels, but we don't consider them to be that way, that were written about Jesus. And so John is not interested in, in giving them any airtime. He's not going to go through them point by point to argue against them. He's simply acknowledging here that they exist and acknowledging that he cannot write everything that Jesus did during his earthly ministry, but that he has covered all the highlights and has presented you uh, with what is necessary for salvation. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we began by discussing the interaction between Jesus and Peter in the opening verses of our reading. Father started with a reminder that Scripture's intent is not to merely tell a historical story, but to provide deeper meaning, an overarching narrative by which we should live our lives. With this in mind, Father Aaron went on to discuss why Jesus called Peter son of Jonah. As is still true today in Scripture, to say that someone is the son of something often does not refer to their biological origin. Rather, it means that they are like something or cut from the same cloth as someone. Here, Jesus is comparing Peter to Jonah because the two are nearly identical figures. As we see time and again, Peter struggles with God's will to reconcile with his enemies, to come and sit at the table of fellowship with them. And Jesus' message to us is clear. We are also like Simon Peter. We also struggle with accepting our enemies at the table of fellowship, with recognizing that God loves them just as much as he loves us. We also struggle to show them the same mercy we so willingly accept for ourselves from God. We then moved on to discuss the reconciliation that is presented between Peter and Jesus at the end of the Gospels. This reconciliation is a three-time restoration to undo, as it were, the three-time denial, the number three representing completeness in the Bible. Finally, as we examine the final words of John's Gospel in which he tells us, but there are also many other things which Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. It's important not to speculate here, as John's purpose in this final verse is to emphasize that what he has written are the more important things a believer needs to know. He has covered all the highlights of Jesus' life and presented us with what is necessary for salvation. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God.